I love my little girl Bella so much that I want her to be as fit and healthy as possible. So I give her joint and hip formula from Terry Naturally Animal Health. This daily supplement gives Bella the joint support she needs to stay mobile, play fetch in the backyard, and take our daily walk. Joint and hip supports healthy cartilage and joint function and relieves occasional joint stiffness. Give it to the dogs in your life to keep them healthy and fit for years to come. Find joint and hip formula at your local health food store or at cherrynaturallyvitamins.com. Our guest today is the phenomenal jazz guitarist, Dan Wilson. Now he spent the majority of his youth within the church community where his musical path began. Now traces of his major guitar influences, including Wes Montgomery, Charlie Christian, Joe Pass, and George Benson, to name a few, can be discerned through his playing. But his musical identity has been shaped by everything from gospel and blues to traditional jazz, hip-hop, and horn players like Sonny Rollins and Joe Henderson. But Dan's career took him on an exploratory journey into foundations laid down by the guitar organ tradition, eventually leading to an invitation to perform with jazz great Joey DeFrancesco's Trio Quartet, with which Dan Wilson went on to earn a Grammy Award nomination with and for DeFrancesco's Project Freedom album. Now Dan's fourth album, Things Eternal, well he takes stock of the lessons learned from each of those rich sources, ensuring that their legacy lives on through him even as some have passed on. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome jazz guitarist virtuoso, the one and the only Dan Wilson. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, you know, I always love talking to artists that kind of uh, their path kind of started in church. So how did your musical path begin in church? Man, I just, you know, I'm, I, now that I've, I'm grown and I look back on it, I, I can't believe how, how fortunate I was to to not only start in church, but in, in that particular church. Um, uh, it's a church called the House of Jacob, and the the music really lends itself to jazz. I mean, it's it's not like your typical, you know, it's it's, it's very traditional, but the, the music naturally swings, and there are a ton of, of great guitar players. Um, so I just kind of used to sit on the front pew and just kind of look over their shoulders and, uh, you know, I, I just... I learned so much. Um, so the first time I ever picked up a guitar, you know, I was just trying to recreate uh, everything that I was hearing every Sunday. Well, you know, uh, you know, so, so when did you, how old were you when you picked up the guitar? And then what kind of led you into the jazz genre? Um, I was, let's see, I was, this is 1998. So I was 13. Um, and they, we used to go to uh, church summer camp. And every uh, June or July, I believe it was July, and it, it'd be, it, we'd be there for a week. And so, they, you know, all, all of my friends played music. That, that was just a thing everybody did, you know, growing up. Uh, we, you know, I started out on drums and I went to bass. And then at, at the summer camp, I got introduced to the guitar. And uh, <clears throat> the, one of the camp counselors, a guy by the name of Mike Bobo, he, um, I'll never forget. He let he let me borrow his guitar for the week, and I stayed in in my dorm room and just I was fascinated by the instrument. I just played it from top to bottom, and um, you know, and that, that's that's when I became hooked. Uh, and at the same time, you know, I, t I told you it was a very traditional church, so uh, secular music was very frowned upon. But 
somehow um, a lot of the musicians found a way to smuggle in uh, George Benson, Wes Montgomery. Uh, I remember there was the album Moonlight in Vermont by Johnny Smith. We we were able to smuggle those in. We play it really low, and we listen to the to the guitar players. And you know, sometimes the camp counselors would find it, find us, and they'd be like, "Nah, you can't be playing that worldly music." But we we found that it was so similar to um, the church music we were playing. We were like, "This is basically the same thing, with a uh, a lot more chords." So we just kind of broke the rules, and and uh, that's well, how I got introduced to jazz. Well, it's it's kind of like. Um hearing a hymn or maybe it's a a a popular contemporary christian song and then you're playing and you hear the chord progression and then you're like wait a minute i can take the chord progression from this jazz solo over here and i can incorporate it into this song and everybody thinks i'm like the smartest person in the world <laughs> during okay. worship yeah but the, see the, the thing is uh, and I didn't notice at the time, but because I used to get in so much trouble, you know, um, I would throw in like I would play West Montgomery stuff verbatim in church, and you know the Saints would just be, they'd be hopping and they'd be dancing, and, and uh, but like the the older musicians, they were they were hip to to my my little tricks, and so they pull me aside and be like, listen here, brother Wilson, I know you like Thelonious Monk, I know you like West Montgomery, and you know, but it doesn't really belong in in uh in the service of the lord and i i'd be like i'd say i'd say yes sir uh yes ma'am but in my mind i'd be thinking like it belongs here oh yeah no and, no i i <laughs> think i think the lord would have approved it a hundred percent it was funny we um this is this happened uh uh gosh i think it's it probably happened like eight years ago uh we, we were in church and uh during one of the the modern you know worship songs all of a sudden the guitar player starts playing the solo from Duran Duran's Ordinary World. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it fit the song so perfectly. So by chance, I ran into him at NAMM one year. Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, I got to ask you a question. What was the whole deal about the whole Duran Duran solo in, uh, in that song? I think it was a Hillsong song at the time. And he goes, well, he goes, on Saturday night, I got in trouble for it. No, on Saturday night, it was cool. But on Sunday morning, yeah, I kind of got to talking to. I go, well, uh -huh. how did you figure it out? He goes, the chord progression's the same. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's 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 wild. And and I've always thought that you know that for music to to be uh, from God and it's like all all of it, like the I feel like the sounds belong and come from and belong to Him. So you know, if if I'm you know living a, like a, a righteous life, you know, I, I figured there's nothing, there's nothing really wrong with, uh, with playing that. But, you know, in, in some of the more traditional churches, especially, um, you know, some of the, uh, in the, in the African-American tradition, some of the Kojic churches and some of the holiness churches, they were, they developed into really, um, insular and, uh, sort of, uh, strict communities. And, and, you know, in, in that particular church, in the church that I grew up in, you know, there were, in some ways, it was very forward thinking as far as uh, being uh, a safe space for, for African Americans in the community, because that was the whole, um, the whole goal of it when it started. They had their own nursing home. They, at one point, they had their own school. Um, they had, 
they have a 3,000 acre farm in Southern Ohio. You know, we all used to be down there uh, just running around playing instruments and, you know, uh, you know, it's playing sports and, uh, and fellowshipping. Um, but in some ways it was very closed off, you know, and that's all, and it ran, we ran into all the hangups that, you know, people from small towns run into. Everybody knows your business. You know, everybody's involved in your business. You know what I mean? So uh, in some ways, I'm I'm uh, I'm thankful for being able to, to grow up in an environment like that because it really allowed me to focus on what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. You know, and I learned a lot of valuable lessons there. Well, you know, I always tell people it's great to 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 uh, to have a family in which you you grow up in church, you get that foundation for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. But when you learn, a, when you have a gift or a talent, you know, like you're being a, a jazz guitarist, you know, the Lord didn't hold us within those four walls. He said, you know, go out. Well, sometimes that talent that some people think, well, that's a secular talent. No, you would be amazed on what God can do with a secular talent. I mean, back in the day, there wasn't a difference between Christian fishing and secular fishing when Peter went out there on the water. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> catch these fish. Don't catch these fish. You know, like. <laughs> well, you know, my, my son, well, actually, both my son and daughter are guitar players. Well, so my son, he, he loved blues. Well, believe it or not, and, and this, you're going to find this funny, Dan. He used to go to a missionary Baptist church. Mm-hmm. He was the only white kid in the whole place. But mm-hmm. he played guitar for the worship team, but he'd be ripping off blues licks in the middle of the songs. And like you said, they're all dancing and clapping and they're going wild. He goes, I said, what's church like? He goes, well, let's just say church starts at 11. And if you're out by four, that's a short service. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's the, that's what you, that's the uh, tradition. You know, and I love that. I, I love that. Um, you know, and, and you know, because really, it's, it's all coming from the same root: the blues, gospel, jazz, rock and roll. They all started uh, in our community. So, you know, I think the the only difference is who's playing it and the mindset of the person who's playing it. So, uh, and even that, even to to this day, you know, I view. Uh, music in in a very spiritual way, you know, and I, I hold fast to to those um, to to those beliefs that that I learned uh, that that I formed growing up, um, and just like just being able to witness kind of the power of music. Like I had some of the most intense musical uh, experiences of my life uh, grow, growing up in church. Like I remember every second Sunday we used to. Uh, uh, do communion, and we were saying, "You must be born again," and we were saying, "Fellowship with Jesus," and I, that was one of my favorite things. The, the uh, uh, communion tradition, because they would read uh, about um, uh, Peter denying Jesus, and you know, Jesus, hu- Jesus' humility when he uh, when he said, "Let me wash your feet," and he said, "And I remember." Uh, he said, you, you shall never wash my feet. And then Jesus said, if, if, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. And he said, well, not just my feet, but my hands and my head. So, and then we would, uh, we would do that and we, we would do a foot washing service. 
and we would play sometimes for for 20 30 minutes you know so that that that's uh those type of uh traditions that happened in my, my formative years i take into uh on stage every time that i that i play well let me ask you this <clears throat> have you ever been in a jazz club someplace and you're playing and it it, it actually feels it becomes a spiritual experience Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you start to, um, I don't know, you, I think that I feel like that's, that's when you start to play things that you didn't even realize were, were in there, you know, so, so I feel like maybe they're coming from somewhere else. Um, and, and I, you know, I've had that a, a bunch of times in church, like, especially on, uh, like when we used to play these things called Terry meetings where uh we would tarry for the holy ghost we, you know you wait for the holy ghost and, and you you know we would play for such a long time and um it would the energy in the building uh the spirit in the building would just reach like a fever pitch and and i've, I've experienced that a couple of times uh on the on the bandstand playing jazz i think it might have just been in me you know i would believe that um it's kind of like when we look at some of the most famous musical performances in history and you look at them and the whole world is in awe. And sometimes you have to think that most likely was a God given moment, not only sure. to the artist that performed it, but for the audience and the viewers who were able to see it going like, it, it's almost like, time stopped and you'll always remember the performance. You know, it's kind of like oh. Michael Jackson doing, doing the moonwalk for the first time and, and everybody's talked about it forever. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see that video, but I don't, I don't know if it does it justice, you know, cause like you could hear everybody in the audience gasp, you know, and you could tell it was a, a really big moment, but it's nothing like really, really being there. Um, you know, I, I can like, because you mentioned uh, Joey D. Francesco, you know, I can remember, you know, when we got nominated for the Grammys, uh, I just remember thinking, like, you know, it, it was for the studio album, uh, Project Freedom. I just remember thinking, well, that's, that's nice, but I, I wonder what's, like, I wonder what the criteria was, because live, that the, the things that we were able to, to pull off as a unit uh, live on stage will... You know, when I think about them to this day, it's like, man, like, I can't believe we were able to play that tempo, you know, but something just takes over live. Okay, you bring up a really good point here because, and I think it's, and I know people want to have jam sessions, okay, I get that. But being on stage and, and you're playing all of these songs, but then there's that turn in the performance when... All of a sudden, you're playing things that just come out of you. You've never recorded it. You've never written it down. It just comes out. And then everybody in the band is such in sync. The synergy is there. And then you walk off stage and you're like, can anybody remember that so we can record this later? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's usually how it is. It's like, that's why I, I was really hoping that we were going to be able to do a live album with that band. Um, but I, I can tell that's, that's, I mean, we, we do have one recording in the can. Uh, I, I was talking to Joey's wife, um, yesterday, 
about uh, about all these things. And, and you know, I mentioned like I remember we had one gig recorded um, at the Nash in Phoenix, and that was the first time I had ever met and played in front of George Benson. And so, I and I remember the gig like before the gig, I was a, a, just a basket case, um, but. Uh, during the gig, we like we turned on the burners. I mean, it, it was uh, yeah, it, it was a, it was a really good moment for for the band, and uh, I'm hoping one day they'll they'll release that. Well, let me ask you, said, how did your connection with Joey D. Francesco happen? Oh man, well, I have uh, the the drummer. Uh, Con- well, first of all, I have a couple people to thank for that. First, uh, there's a great guitar player in New York named uh, Peter Mazza, who's just, like a uh, just a harmonic genius and just, just like really um, has a completely unique approach to uh, solo guitar. And, you know, he really opened up my uh, harmonic concept. Um, so he he had this series at this place called The Bar Next Door. Um, and he, you know, we met and became friends and he gave me a gig there. And so I would come up to New York every couple of months and I would play there. And this guy named Tim Rogers uh, would come out and record every time I, I would play there. And he, he put the performances on YouTube. So fast forward like seven years later, uh, I meet the drummer Carmen and Torre, who's playing with Pat Martino. And, you know, we, we, we hit it off. We get along. We become friends. And Joe, he happens to be good friends with Joey. So... Uh, Joey's like, hey, Carm, uh, I'm looking for a guitar player. Is any, anybody out there that you uh, that you recommend? And he's like, Carm's from Buffalo. He's like, there's this guy. His name's uh, he's from Akron, Ohio. His name's Dan Wilson. He he really he plays good guitar. And uh, so Joey, I get an email from his wife Gloria saying, are you interested in playing with Joey DeFrancesco? I'm like. Yes, uh, and then I, and then I kind of like brush it off. I'm like, yeah, that, I think that's just maybe somebody playing. And until I get a I get a call, I'm just getting ready. It says I'm I'm a uh, deer hunter, so I'm just getting ready to go into the woods to uh, to to go hunting. And I see this this number from Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm thinking like, is this like spam or like a bill collector or something like that? But I answer it. And he's like, hey, Dan, this is uh, Joey DeFrancesco. I was like, <gasps> and he was just like, man, I really, I'm enjoying your, these videos that you're playing, man. And uh, I have a gig in, in Michigan in, at the Dirty Dog. And uh, he was like, yeah, I, I see you like to play the blues. I'm like, yeah, I, I love to play the blues. And he was like, all right, cool. Yeah, if you can do the hit, let's let's do it. And that was that was the start. Wow. Now, I watched Joey give a testimony about your playing ability. And I mean, he was, I mean, he was very impressed with you. So what was it like playing with Joey? Oh, man. Well, it was like, it was a lot of things. It was, it was scary. Um, uh, but it was, it was rewarding. I mean, it's, it's one of it was one of the greatest uh, gigs for a guitar player because, you know, I, I like I remember one night I he he just played like just this incredible like earth shattering solo, 
and you know people in the audience went crazy so i think i'm being hit by uh just saying like all right man i'm, I'm good man let's just go back to the head and he was like uh-uh no play i was like okay uh <laughs> you know so it was like he he i really learned from him like there, there's no uh you, you're not gonna be the cool kid on this gig you need to give your all for every every performance that's that's something I, I take into uh, every performance to this day. I learned from from that moment on. Like you, you're not gonna be too cool for school. You gotta, <laughs> you know, you gotta leave it all on the stage. I agree with that. I agree. Mm-hmm. With, I mean that you know, if you choose music to be your life's work, your life's career, why not give it your very best? Mm-hmm. So Joy 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 had a point. Yeah, yeah, man, and, and yeah. a lot of this stuff is hitting me, uh, you know, years later, like because you know we we would, uh, you know, we became like really close, and, and you know you have, you 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 become like siblings, and you know siblings butt heads sometimes, you know, like Joey was a very strong personality, and you know I'm not like a a person that, you know, you can really bulldoze. You know, so like I was sometimes like, you know, we, we would get into it, but like it, it was all like um, in love, you know. Well, what was the what was the greatest thing that you ever learned from Joey DeFrancesco? Huh. I think the I think the greatest thing was probably the value of having a consistent band. Like, he, he, you know, he could play with anybody he wanted to. You know, like, everybody was pulling on him, like, hey, let's let's do a special project. Let's do a, an all-star project. I mean, we, we were in the van one time, and Chick Corea called him. And he was like, yeah, Joey, we got we to gotta do something. Let's do a special project. And he was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's cool, Chick. Yeah, that'd be great. And he hung up, and he was like, I really just want to do stuff with the trio, you know, <laughs> because we, we had spent so much time developing – this music and it got we got to a point where we kind of shared a brain between three or four people, you know. So um, that really can't be reproduced uh, in some of these all-star settings, you know, where you get people who have these big names. And I, I know that sells tickets, but when you get people who have these big names uh, who don't necessarily play together regularly, they're, you know, they're kind of still they're still kind of guessing. Is it harder? Is it harder with the <clears throat> the jazz genre? I mean, you know, <clears throat> we see country people get together; it's no big deal. We see rock people get together; it's no big deal. Uh, is jazz a bit different because you know there's different genres of jazz, and everybody kind of has their own signature style? Yeah, I, I think it's. I think it, it that that concept is uh, is true across genres, like. Because, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, with jazz, you know, we're always able to do pickup gigs. I mean, if everybody, you know, as long as everybody speaks the same language musically, you know, that's cool, you know. But you, when, whenever you have a consistent working band, uh, they, they've had a chance to develop a rapport with each other, even if, if, if it's country or something like that. You know, when you get a band that's, that's tight and it's been working together for a while, they're, all, they're always going to sound better. Than, than they would have had it just been like a, 
a pickup thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that brand new album, Things Eternal, which is your fourth album. What was the inspiration behind it? Um, the inspiration behind it was really just uh, the album's kind of therapeutic because I, I, you know, just getting to this age, I'm, I'm 38 now. So I, I, uh, a lot of the people who, who were instrumental in my upbringing, um, had, had started to, to pass away and just like, really, I was really experiencing a lot of, uh, just crippling grief, you know, a lot of my, uh, just losing my grandmother who was like, she was, that was like my ace. You know, and my and I lost my grandfather while while I was on the gig with Joey D, um, and you know just going through those changes. You know, my my father had a uh, a major stroke uh, about three days before my son was born, and then uh, Joey dying just suddenly like that really just kind of put me into a really um, deep kind of uh, depression. You know, I, I mean. There's no other way to describe it. And uh, so I, I started, I would have these these really vivid dreams about some of the relatives that I lost. And, you know, it's like, it would be like we were all together again. Like they would like, it was so vivid. Like I can't, I can't even describe uh, how, how real it seemed. And so that's, that was the inspiration why I started, uh, I started writing for that. I, I, I started seeing a grief counselor at the um, encouragement of, of my wife. You know, she, she was just trying to get me to snap out of it. And uh, that really helped. And so I started kind of putting the, the pieces together. Um, so it's a way of dealing with grief um, so you don't have to, uh, to wallow in it. You know, it's, it's, not a, it's not a sad album. You know, there, there are, it's a reaction to... Uh, a lot of heavy and sad things, but you know, I, I didn't. I believe that we can deal with grief without it uh, consuming us. So, that's, well, yeah, I mean, grief is just love looking for a place to go. That that's a word. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that, that from word. somebody else, but I've always remembered it, and it really kind of uh, kind of takes the sting out of it. Mm-hmm. Because and that's that's what it really is. And for someone like you to to lose so many people in a very short time, that's that's hard to take. That would be hard to take for anyone. So you know, I listened to the whole album and I listened to it more than once. And it's, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's musical art. I will tell you this. Um, so is that why you chose the title track to be Things Eternal? Because it's kind of playing homage to all of those that you have lost? Yeah, it, and it, you know, it comes from that hymn, uh, Hold to God's Unchanging Hand, you know, uh, where it says, uh, build your hopes on things eternal. Um, so, you know, I love that, uh, that verse that, where it says, time is filled with swift transitions. None on, on earth unmoved can stand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and and so I, I chose to focus on the things that um, that we leave behind that outlive us. You know, because we like the Bible says, man that's born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. 
So we have very, you know, a relatively short time uh, on this earth. Um, and I feel like the things that outlive us matter a lot more. Like what we pass on to our children, um, what we pass on to our loved ones, that, that's, what, uh, that's what we can focus on. The, the other things, like the title track says, things uh, on the surface, they all pass away but things eternal and endure always. I, I love that. And Dan, when I, when I listened to the very first song on the album, Joey comes in. What's the story behind that little clip of Joey speaking at the beginning of the first song? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so he was so shocked that, uh, that I was, a I was a hunter. I've been a hunter since I, I was like eight years old. And that's that's one of the things I grew up doing um, with, with, you know, it has a really long history in my family, um, like even like during slavery and, and right after slavery is, is when, you know, my uh, great grandfather and his family, you know, used to hunt to supplement their diet. So they passed it on for uh, generations. Uh, and I, I really took to it. Um, so my. Uh, so when I when I told him that he he just couldn't believe it because I don't think he I don't know if he knew anybody that that did that and so he would always see pictures of me um, in the woods and I had you know my my whole uh, face mask on because um, I you know I'd be up there in a tr uh, in my tree stand you know my face mask on uh, and so that's the story behind that he he'll, he would be like Dan get out of those woods probably up there with that thing wrapped around your face camouflage. You know, he always got a got a kick out of that. That that is so cool because I mean, here in Texas, I think we have the longest deer season than any state in the country. Yeah, Texas is like a dream state. Like you guys have uh, a lot of uh, imported species too. Yeah, because there's there's a lot of there's a lot of places that raise wild game uh, yeah. for hunting. I mean. They're not gonna. They're not gonna rope it and bring it to you. Okay. It, that, there's right. a reason why they call it hunting, and exactly. uh, you know. So, uh, oh my gosh, I, I think if I remember correctly, October is like bow season. Then from November to mid January, it's rifle season, and then I believe right, right and then two weeks after, I think it's musket. Um, oh, mother loader, yeah. Yeah, most, yeah. So, uh, so we have a very long season for deer. So in Texas, yeah, there it's 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 a paradise for hunters, and that is so cool that uh, you were raised that way. So I commend you for that, and for all of you vegans out there, don't write me any letters. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, I get the I get the 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 vegan thing. You know, I, I have uh, respect for. Uh, with the vegan thing, you know, I, I'm just kind of on the other end of the of the spectrum. Like that's that forms a large part of my diet, you know. Um, and I, I believe in conservation of the of the species of uh, of native species. Um, you know, it, it really uh, it's a really uh, rewarding thing. You know, I have a lot of respect for uh, the animals that I pursue, and I take full responsibility for uh, you know. When oh I, when yeah! I oh, I, I, hey, 
I know what you're talking about. I mean, yeah. you know, we're, we're on the we're on the same level here when it comes to the whole hunting thing. And uh, I know mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people do focus on the conversa- uh, conversation of hunting and of, of deer population. And I mean, sometimes the deer population it gets too large, but that's a, another story from another time. But I've got to ask you this about your album because sure. where did your aunt get the phrase since a hatchet was a hammer man that that's one of those questions that i will like i will just i will wonder forever because that, that was the first thing that came out of her mouth when I, when I went to visit her she said i have not seen that boy since a hatchet was a hammer i was like what aunt mary where, where did you where did you get this you know and, and she was she was in a nursing home so she was you know a little bit senile but she was still you know she was still witty. Like I, I have about like six or seven of those uh, quotes from her that I'm that might become future uh, song titles. She was she was one of a kind. I I love that. And then I noticed on your album that uh, me being a Beatle fan and one of my favorite songs of theirs is Eleanor Rigby. But yeah. the Beatles they used a string section to play that song, but your guitar playing. It brings the melody and the riffs forward in such a subtle way that when you're when you first listen to the song, if nobody even told you what the title was, you may not notice it's Eleanor Rigby at the beginning, but then all of a sudden you hear the guitar riffs and you're like, and then your ears perk up and you go, wait a minute, I know that song, I know that song, <laughs> and then it's like, then you go, ah. Uh, that's Eleanor Rigby. Then you look at your album, you go, oh my gosh, it's Eleanor Rigby. And you play, you actually created, you took a Beatles song and literally made it brand new and made it your own. I mean, how did you come up with that interpretation? Um, uh, The inspiration behind that was, that's the cool thing about really well-written songs. You know, songs that that have uh, structural integrity, like, like the Beatles songs. You know, there's all there all these possibilities hidden in the in the structure of the song. So I noticed the uh, string arrangement. I think George Martin did it. Uh, you know, it's, it had this real bouncy kind of you know, you know, doom, doom, You know, just really um, rhythmic and bouncy. I was like, man, that's some dark subject matter that they're they're talking about. So, like, how is he able to? kind of give me this like bouncy feeling while talking about this really dark stuff. And and I was like, you know what? I bet that melody would would be would be kind of cool if we swung it. So I just started thinking like, you know, I was like, oh shoot, it works. It's just that that first phrase is five bars. So when you're so when you're improvising over it, you have to remember that or like the the first couple times we we played it on gigs, like everybody was getting lost in that uh, in that original phrase. But we, if you keep the melody in your head, you know, then you can keep yourself together. Uh, but yeah, that's that's how I, how I came up with it. I just added little little things here and there to kind of spice it up. Well, you know, as as short. As most Beatles songs are, 
you you really just kind of stretch that out, but it flows so well. I mean, I would have never imagined Eleanor Rigby being chosen as a bass for a jazz song, but you pulled it off. I mean, you're the maestro. Oh man, shoot! I, well, you know, I, I I wouldn't be able to pull it off if I didn't have such a ridiculous band. I mean, uh, Dave Throckmorton on on the drums from from Pittsburgh, uh, this young bass genius uh, Brandon Rose from Detroit, and my idea man uh, Glenn Zaleski uh, on uh, Fender Rose. Like without those guys, it would just be like it'd be pretty random. Now you you also did uh, one of Stevie Wonder songs, and yes. the title eludes me, but. Um, who is the one singing on that song? Oh, yeah. So those uh, those three are... Uh, so the tune is Smile, Please, from uh, Fulfilling This First Finale. It's my favorite Stevie record. Uh, that's saying a lot, but, you know, that just it really resonated with me. So the, the singers are uh, Jessica Yafanaro. She's a former student of mine. She lives in Cleveland. Uh, she's just like incredible vocalist and you'll, you'll be hearing a lot more from her uh tommy tommy layman another stu- former student of mine who uh his main axe is, is trumpet uh he's and he's like pretty ridiculously talented on trumpet um and then uh darrell legrere a vocalist from akron who comes from a super musical family from uh from akron so i i always wanted to do stuff with uh with three vocalists, and uh, that's kind of a a separate project that I that I have. Um, I, I do a lot of a lot of gigs with that configuration, and they they just came in and knocked it out. Well, they did, and it's funny because uh, when I was listening to the song, uh, I went back to listen to Stevie's version, mm-hmm. and you didn't really tread too far away from Stevie's version at all. I mean, because when you hear it and if you're a Stevie Wonder fan and you kind of know his, his anthology, you're like, that's a Stevie Wonder song. But, but to hear it with a female voice and, and, and I love jazz singers, female jazz singers, because there's, there's just something about the way that they sing. You, you pick up a little bit of that, Ella Fitzgerald kind of sound and you know you may get a little bit of Mahalia Jackson in there every once in a while I hope but, so. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but it's your whole album is it's just fantastic to oh, listen to you. ladies and gentlemen if you want to like if you need to chill out this is the album to be putting on that turntable, put that needle down and slip on some headphones and kick back because this is the album. I mean, Dan, man, oh, you, well, you did a stupendous job on this, on this record. Thank, thank you, man. I appreciate you listening. You know, that's, that's why we do it. You know, hopefully somebody can feel something, you know? Well, you know, that, that's, that's the thing I love about music, uh, hearing people like you who, who write it, who play it, perform it. Uh, you know, music is what makes the memories. Um, yeah. And anytime 
you know, uh, you know, there, a life event happens, and there's a song close close to us that's playing. Well, that song will always take us back to that moment. Yeah, yeah, something that's very transformative uh, about that. Like, I don't, I don't know if you see the uh, any of the Tiny Desk concerts, but I, I was talking to my drummer on the way here. Uh, we were talking about um, Juvenile and Manny Fresh, the uh, Cash Money Millionaires. Uh, they, they did a Tiny Desk concert, and that just took me back to sophomore year in high school when I listened to some of the most ignorant music you'll ever hear, and I loved it. I mean, just some of the raunchiest lyrics you ever think about, but I'm like, man, that's... Uh, some good memories, you know, but it, it, it really has a way of, uh, like you said, taking you back there. And I, I felt like I was 15 again, listening to that inappropriate stuff. You know? <laughs> so, so, so you were li- listening to things from death row records and like that, all of that stuff. I was, I was like stuff that I was like, man, I shouldn't really know about this, you know, but I, I was listening to all that stuff. But at the same time I was listening to, uh, I was learning uh, all the the Great American Songbook standards, you know. So I, I like I'll always be a an '80s baby and '90s kid. So like the era, my first concert was uh, Notorious B.I.G. You know, I was hearing some outlandish things uh, come across that 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 microphone. But the, you know, I'm I'm influenced by by stuff like that too, you know. But and it's, so all this stuff is is, is mixed in. There's, there's what it, you know, it's stuff. it's like the pieces of a puzzle, uh, and and especially with with musicians and recording artists, you you really need to have a wide range of of you know of, of music to listen to to pull from. Because if you stay in one genre, you don't grow. You yeah, know, your creativity is kind of stunted, and I love the fact that. Uh, you know, yeah, hip hop. I mean, I even, ladies and gentlemen, I even have a notorious big T-shirt that I will actually wear. I I wear it. <laughs> so that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, you know, so. Uh, but uh, again, I mean, it's amazing uh, where you've come. And I, you know, when you said that you were from Akron, Ohio, I was like, "Is there jazz in Akron, Ohio?" And I'm sure there is. But oh, yeah. how did you get? Well, let me ask you this: because how did you get from Akron, Ohio? And and branch out and become this jazz artist. Was there a defining moment that uh, made you step forward in faith? Um, yeah, I, I think yeah, I, I was I was I was pretty intentional about um, you know kind of going to New York every couple. I would drive to New York every couple of months and stay with a family friend and you know kind of get in the scene, but. There was there was music in in Ohio and there still is you know the, a lot of these these young kids coming up right now I mean and they are swinging they're, this like I mean they're they're writing all this great original music they at the same time learning the tradition you know so it it's uh it's a really healthy scene right now um so we have a, a really nice club to to play in called uh, Blue Jazz um, so that, you know, a lot of talent is being nurtured in, in that way. So you, you know, Ohio, Ohio has some beasts. 
Hey. That's great musician. Well, you know, Cleveland Cleveland lays claim to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And uh, Mm -hmm. so there's music in Ohio, ladies and gentlemen. It's not just Memphis or New Orleans or Nashville or New York. And can't leave out Chicago because we know that there's Chicago blues and Chicago jazz and the the list goes on. But I've got to ask you, so you brought up the fact that uh, George Benson watched you play. Uh, Have you have you played before other jazz greats that kind of took your breath away? Yeah. um, Yeah. A a bunch. there's uh let's see here there was one that, that I can I can remember uh playing in front of George Coleman that was a that was a big thing for me you know because I you start to think about all the uh the, the all of your favorite records that, that they're a part of like Miles Davis live in Europe and uh four and more and you know he's he's sitting there and I'm just like like fingers don't fail me now don't fail me now you know and after the after the show, it's, it's the greatest when your heroes are like are really cool people. So he came up, uh, it was like, Mister Wilson, you sound beautiful, and I was I could have fainted. I just I could have fainted, you know. And the same thing with um, George Benson. He's like, yeah, young fella, you playing a lot of guitar, you know. And yeah, and uh, Pat Metheny was another one. Wow. Um, yeah, he he's been really really gracious, and uh, you got I got a chance to hang with him a couple times and play for him. Um, just yeah, and, and that that those moments you you just kind of carry with you. Like sometimes I'll just be in my car and I just think I'll just be thinking like, man, that's like this is like an amazing what an amazing gift to be able to you know be in front of your heroes and tell them how much you appreciate them, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, let me ask you, I went to your website. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to head over to danwilsonguitar.com, I want to ask you real quickly, Dan, uh, you have some guitar courses on there, Fred, Fredboard Freedom, and yes. in the style of Dan Wilson, I have a lot of people who watch that are guitar players. I actually used to produce a guitar television show uh, a few years back. So uh, wow. tell us about those courses. Yeah. So uh, with Fretboard Freedom, I, I partnered with this, uh, uh, these, these two brothers that, uh, that run the page, the Instagram page, jazz memes. And you, they, they have a lot of hilarious content, uh, music related content. So uh, we partnered together in, let's see maybe 2021 or 2022 and uh you know we created like an instructional video uh just on on my concept of of how to to get around the fretboard uh more accurately uh because i i I have a couple other courses that that i produce with uh, some friends of mine from from ohio uh on my one on my picking technique um and uh one on on comping and so the the ones with that I did with jazz memes, the fretboard freedom series. Uh, they're really expansive uh, and really kind of comprehensive. Um, we get through a lot of material. I, I just recorded another one uh, back in uh, April, I believe, and we're we're gonna try to come out with that uh, in a couple months here. Um, so 
Yeah, it's it's, it's really uh, really expansive. Um, we cover a lot of a lot of ground. Well, just just kind of my my approach to uh, the instrument and just getting your ideas onto the instrument and getting them to come out more more fluently. So, what is your main axe? Oh, uh, I play uh, the Pat Martino model by Benedetto. Um, yeah, they, they, I and I, I got to thank Joey for that. He uh, he called the owner of Benedetto, Howard Paul. He called him up and he, he said, you should probably think about giving Dan an endorsement. Um, and, it, you know, he didn't have to do that. You know, yeah. he, he did it because that's that's the kind of guy he was. You know, and I'll, I'll you know, I'll appreciate that for forever. Well, what is next for Dan Wilson? Well, I'm... I'm here in uh, in Newark, New Jersey. Um, I, I have a session at uh, WBGO Studios tomorrow, and then another one at uh, Sirius XM. Where we'll be playing uh, some songs off of off of the new record. Um, then I ha- where am I going? I have to. I'm going to uh, Stanford uh, to do the Stanford Jazz Workshop. Um, then I'm playing a showcase for uh, Benedetto in Napa Valley. And then I'm going to be at Smoke Jazz Club with uh, Eric Reed Quartet, um, August 17th through the 20th. And, man, this is, this is going to be a busy month. Uh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that that's a good thing because I know that everybody's been on the road during the summer and dan you again what an honor and a pleasure to 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 talk with you today talk about your brand new album things eternal and ladies and gentlemen i'm going to tell you again you you got to get this album so you need to head over to danwilsonguitar.com for more of dan's music and again you're going to love his brand new albums brand new album things eternal so buy it as i always say don't be downloading this these things for free you buy it support the artist and if dan comes to your area to play go buy a ticket go to the club sit back and enjoy some of the greatest guitar guitar jazz guitar you're ever going to hear also go to his website check out his tour dates and if you are a guitarist and you want to expand your talent then you sign up for dan's courses on fretboard freedom and in the style of dan wilson so again, it's danwilsonguitar.com. Dan, thank you so much for sharing your brand new album with us. All right, man. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Uh, it's nice to meet you, and I hope we can do it again. Oh, you are welcome back anytime. So I look forward to album number five. So you got to come back so we can talk about it as well. And, uh, <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> hey, as for me, I'll see you next time. <laughs>